Welcome to Multiple Offers, a real estate show with competing perspectives. Today, we are talking about community specialists. Put that coffee down. If you're good at something, never do it for free. How'd you get the gig? Oh, you know, they were hiring. It was only a two-week course. I will sell this house today. What are you, some kind of real estate agent? Oh, he's a realtor. There is a difference somehow. This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, guys, it is episode 49, one away from 50, which we decided doesn't matter. 50, it, dude, no, it's not, even no, it's close, not episode 49. It's not even it, is, 49. it is episode 51. I am paying attention. You know what got me is before the show, our guest Michael Thorne was making fun of the fact that I got excited about episode 49, and then it got you got stuck in my head, Michael. The uh, you planted a seed. Yeah, so we're we're going to be talking all about community marketing today in real estate. Uh, joining us today is Michael Thorne from Langley. Michael has been an agent for 25 years. Wow. He's on a team with two other agents out there in in Langley, and and he is definitely a community marketing expert. He also has two ridiculously awesome kids. He's been happily married for 16 years, and he is what I would call a master of video marketing. And if there are any realtors listening, we are going to get into a little bit of Michael's video marketing and a video boot camp he's running, but we'll leave that for the end of the show so that that our our non-realtor friends listening uh, don't get bored. So... If you're not into the video aspect, you can just tune out once we, we finish talking sure. about the value of a community. Oh, what's Matt? Matt's well, making a face. Well, even if they're not realtors, that's awesome bonus content. If you're a business owner, if you're involved in yes. marketing in any way. A hundred percent. Totally worthwhile listening to. Right. But if, if you're like, actually, I can't think of a job. I was going to say like <laughs> a teacher, but a teacher could probably do some pretty cool things with video and teaching. Everybody can now. It's where the world is going. Everybody can. Okay. So... What's going on? Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah. I love the voice that you have during the <laughs> intro. You really put something into it. I love it. Um, so I guess before we get, get going, what, what's happening in Langley? What, what's the market like? I, I love this real estate market. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's what we refer to as normal or normal-ish, something yeah. we haven't Close seen in a very long, uh, a very long time. Um, we're we're back to the, that sort of typical spring. We, you know, it's it's we're now in in, in April. We've seen the sales um, jump up quite a bit in March over February. Uh, we're at our highest inventory levels in like four or five years. But still, I mean, in the big scheme of things, past four or five years, they've been really really low inventory levels. Um, I like it because good stuff will sell, hmm. right? In this market, like I really believe. You know, if your property is marketed well, if it is presented well, if it's priced properly, um, if you've looked after it, if you, you know, then it will sell. You know, three years ago, it could it could need some improvements. It could be in a bad yeah. location. It could be priced <laughs> at whatever you wanted to, and it's sold. And and so I, I you know, I I was talking to a uh, building inspector. And I said, you know, are, are you less busy than you were before? He says, I'm more, I'm busier. And the yeah. reality is there were so many offers that were being done without a building inspection. And the other thing he said is, like, the, the places I am ins- inspecting now are all nice because the, only the nice properties are getting the offers. <laughs> That's true. Um, so, ah, interesting. You know what I mean? So I think we're at a normal market. I think a buyer has time to make a decision. You know, they're not. You're not saying make a decision in five minutes and 
you know, throw snaps, everything you have at yeah, it. Yeah, smash every piggy bank you've ever had and let's go. Uh, you know, I, I think for, for, for people that haven't been, haven't had their thumb on the real estate market, you know, for more than five or six years, I think they think it's slow. I, I think the market is normal and I like that. Well, we've been spoiled uh, as sellers over the last few years. Like 90%, like one, one conversation I've been having with a lot of people, and I'm a bit of a stats geek, uh, like 20% sales ratio. So if one in every five homes is selling, that's traditionally a good market. Absolutely. And, and, and you say that to a seller. You say, okay, like so 15 to 20 is you know sort of seller's market or on the cusp of a, of a balanced market. If you say 85 homes out of 100 didn't sell this month, and that's a good market. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good market, totally. <laughs> and, and we were seeing 55s and 60s, depending on the market, and, and it's that's just not normal. Um, and so I really like the opportunities. Uh, people that, that hire a great agent that markets the property properly, uh, that take their time staging it, make sure it's all taken care of, you're going to win. Yeah. Um, and, and you should win if you put that much effort into your property. So um, I, I think it's a good market. And, and like you said, it's been historically a good market for sellers, but there's 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 two people in every transaction, and so there's some opportunities out there for buyers. It's a way nicer way to buy a house now. I, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's exactly what last episode was. Last episode was selling in a buyer's market, and we essentially dissected everything you just said, and we totally agree. I mean, that was the the best part of it. Is aren't we, get we to supposed work to have differing opinions, though? Aren't we supposed to <laughs> take a contract? That's <laughs> the one thing we could all agree on. <laughs> That was the show title. <laughs> yeah, about two weeks after we created that show title, Matt and Jer were like, hey, we're teaming up. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I see how it is. <laughs> we don't have to agree, but we can do things differently. Yeah. Yes. Uh, people were trying to do things differently. So I was talking with another agent at my open house this weekend. We're sharing stories and we're talking about this balanced market and how we like it a whole lot better and doing deals is great and we're back to negotiating and we like that. And he's telling me, he submitted an offer because I was telling him I had a strong offer that was essentially rejected and I was pretty upset about that. He says, yeah, I, I submitted a reasonably strong offer on a very old listing and it was a pretty otherwise normal conditions though, subject to inspection, financing, whatever. We had a 10-day period on there. I got a counter offer back with a 48-hour time clause. Like they added a time they clause, added a into, bumping the, clause into the subjects. To, for their, t- their normal 10-day Not a subject to period. sale property. Not normal subjects... What just in case something better came along? Just in case they got a better offer. Huh. Wow. That's a new one. I mean, when you, you think about it too, right? Like, um, you know, an average agent, I don't know how many deals they do a year. I think it's like four. That might be generous. Okay. <laughs> it, might, yeah. it might be. And see, the problem with some of the things is when the market changes as briskly as it does or has over the past six months, if you haven't done a number of transactions, sometimes you don't feel that the market's changing. You know, the three of us sitting around the table, you, you can feel it just in a week's worth of text messages that come in. You can, yeah. you can, you can feel it coming or things changing um, because you're so stuck into the marketplace. Um, so there are buyers out there, there are sellers out there that, that just assume that we're still in our same structure and it's it's our job as professionals to educate our clients that things have changed um, and once again once you've educated your buyer or seller they get to make their own decisions and, and, and if, if a seller of mine said no I want a 48 hour clause in there you know I'm there to serve my client I have to educate them and maybe I need to improve my ability to communicate to my clients but you know ultimately we're there to, to take care of our buyers and sellers could and, you imagine if we did that on every offer though oh yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I pre- 
appreciate your offer. Yes, please invest in inspection and appraisal and all that stuff. But if I get a better offer, yeah, I'm gonna bump you. It's the Wild West. <laughs> like, well, I, I guess there are markets that do that, right? Like some of the markets where you have, like, is it is it New Zealand that everything goes to auction? So if you're gonna do a your due diligence, of, a you lot just of stuff. Have to, of, yeah, a lot of stuff in yeah. Australia goes to auction. Australia, yeah. yeah, I'm sure all our Australian slash New Zealand uh, listeners are happy that I can't tell the difference. They, <laughs> no, they love I, that, right? I don't know if it's in, I don't know if it's in New Zealand. I know for certain Australia. Yeah, there, there are lots of markets where yeah. like a an auction yeah. is a thing, and if you're going to do an auction, you you got to be subject free, just like buying a foreclosure out here. Yeah, you have to do all your due diligence before. beforehand. But the seller has to have a lot of demand to. Yeah, there were no other. Yeah, options. Yeah. Anyway, hmm. one story. I thought it was pushing the limit. So speaking of uh, community <laughs> specialists, I had a couple buyers of mine come through actually Matt and Jer's open house recently, and we were talking, and I was like mentioning these guys, and, and Jer, who's not with us today, is like, oh, those guys came through my my open house, but they said they were working with a Vancouver agent, and they're totally working with me. I, I think they... Maybe think I'm a Vancouver agent, <laughs> even though I'm showing them New West. I'm not. I'm not sure how it happened. <laughs> like it. That might the, the, the prices in Vancouver aren't as bad as I thought they were. Yeah, that's it's not. You're yeah. in, you're you're in Langley, so yeah, uh, yeah. We we had that. We had a um, right at the height of the market when just people were buying up like crazy. I had somebody come through my house, open house in New West that obviously had no idea where she was because she at the end, she's like, this price seems really good for Burnaby. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, if this was in Burnaby, <laughs> this price would be awesome. We're in a different city. <laughs> so um, we got a big show today, so why don't we get into it? What we're going to do, like we talked about before, is get into the value of working with a community specialist. Before we do that, Matt's got some news for us. And right before we get into that, next episode is episode 52. Oh, no. Which marks us doing this for a year. So it's going to be a celebration. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like just yet. We do know there will be alcohol involved. If you're not subscribed to the podcast yet and you don't want to miss it, please subscribe and watch us make... Uh, I'm so nervous. Yeah, I can, I can see it in Matt's face. Matt, Matt's really fun when he drinks. He doesn't drink a lot, Michael, but when he does... No, I don't he's... drink often. Do, <laughs> yeah, yeah. do the listeners know at what time of the day you record this podcast? I mean, is that public knowledge? <laughs> so that's an excellent question. Probably right not. now, it's morning, but we're going to record this one in an evening. The smart call. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If, not, if not, it's just tragic. Yeah. No. Listen no, to I, us. I don't sadly drink. I'm definitely not day drinking. <laughs> <laughs> not happening. Let's do some news. I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. I got a news flash for you, Walter Cronkite. I am enlightened. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! This is Multiple Offers, a real estate show. We were going to be brief with this news story because I thought it was a pretty exciting news story until I realized that the news stories themselves don't have a lot of meat and I wasn't ready to do that much research. Okay. <laughs> so you, you, you're you saying you're, you're phoning this one in. That's what we call <laughs> in the real estate industry a disclosure. <laughs> this is a good headline. 
It is a good headline. It's been this has been floating around through all the different news outlets this week. Uh, real estate groups issue recommendations on money laundering, and it's a number of groups: notaries, uh, the real estate board, association. Uh, different groups sort of weighing in and trying to help with the money laundering issue because it is a hot topic. This was a huge news story. What was that like six months, a year ago? There was that massive how much money is getting laundered through. That was only about two months ago. Has it only been two months? <laughs> yeah, I mean the the one the big story that came out about all of the flaws in the casinos and all that stuff was only right. a couple months ago. Okay. It was in twenty nineteen. Okay, so everybody's piling on now. Yes, right. And uh, I'm looking for these recommendations in the news stories, and I read three of them, and none none of them actually mentioned a specific recommendation. What about that one we were looking at together? There were like five bullet points. Were none of those bullet points? I didn't find it in the three stories I opened. You didn't tell me which news outlet you read it in. I showed it to you. No, we were at lunch. You didn't show it to me. Maybe you showed it to Jer. <laughs> maybe maybe opinions. I showed it to Jer. Anyway. Excellent radio. But what, what, I'm, what I'm noticing in all of the stories I read, though, is that the government says, well, we appreciate there's an acknowledgement from the industry to try to help. And then there's some comments about how they think that the industry is to blame, and then they want to blame realtors, and they want to say that FinTrack, which is the federal money or the federal group that tries to find the money launderers, uh, has never really prosecuted a realtor. I didn't realize that when this news story would come out that the content would be realtors haven't been caught laundering money. Or or caught <laughs> uh, honestly representing. Like, is that the issue too as well? Like, maybe they're not the one laundering the money, but they're the ones not blowing the whistle that there's yes. something suspicious about the transaction. Yeah, there's, there's obviously more that they know that they're not disclosing. Yeah. And that's fair enough. There have got to be agents out of the, you know, thousands of agents within our industry here in the area who are willingly circumventing the rules. Yes. Right? And know that their clients maybe aren't completely on the up and up. But for the rest of us, we're supposed to be spies for the Canadian government. Yeah, and it's and you know it's and and it's interesting. Like you know, if you say the money laundering is a big deal. I, I've I've never even run across a, a scenario in my twenty five years where I've been really suspicious or concerned about the transaction I'm dealing with. But I'm but I'm also look at the type of clientele, and I think you're right. I think there's certain agents out, not certain. Yeah, there's certain anyone out there that is okay. That maybe maybe ethics and are 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 fluid, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think you know there's the issue of of our industry of any industry. Um, uh, and I don't know if there's one real easy solution to it. No, but we do need to police ourselves. I had it happen at an open house this weekend with clients where we were shown a garage in New West, and the realtor says, oh, yeah, you could make this like a, a oh, you can't call it laneway house because there isn't a lane, but you could call it like a carriage or coach house thing or whatever. You could put somebody in here. But the garage, it's a little too close to the back lot line, so she disclosed this bit. I know New West bylaws. I said, no, you can't. If it's too close, the city will not approve it. There is no exemption process. You can't put a dwelling here. She says, well, well, you could do. And she starts spinning it and saying, what other rentals you get in there? And I just stopped her and I said, I live in New West and I'm a realtor. And I do not <laughs> want you telling people that you can put a rental in here. Angry Matt. <laughs> yeah. And I left with my clients and said, I'm sorry, I kind of lost it there. But our, we get a bad reputation in the industry. And I, I do not want her to have plausible deniability to go around making false claims. I it's interesting that you say that you've never been approached by someone sketchy because I feel like you must have a I don't deal with sketchy people sign on your forehead because <laughs> I know a lot of agents who work out in your area who um, I won't use his name but I, I have a close friend who's a managing uh, a manager out there and he has a conversation with new agents about ethically you need to decide 
that you're not going to work with these people when they approach you. Like, I think in your area, sure. it, it is that th- there is a lot of, of uh, potentially, and every area. I, I had one when FinTrack first came out, the very first person I FinTracked. For our listeners, uh, FinTrack is a branch of the government that tracks where the money in real estate purchases is coming and going from. And what, like 10 years ago now? It was a long yeah. time ago now. We had to start tracking some of that information to help the government uh, monitor it. I had a guy come through my open house, say, hey, I like this house. Meet me at the A&W down the street. I want to write an offer. So after the open house, I go down there. I go through the whole process. I write the offer. And then at the end of it, I'm like, okay, so there's this new thing. It's just to make sure you're not a scumbag. I need to take a picture of your license. And uh, I'm sending this to a body of government called FinTrack. He's like, well, what's that for? And I'm like, it's just to make sure you're not laundering money. And the guy gets real quiet and then goes, you know, I haven't shown this house to my wife. Do you think that's a bad idea? And I'm wow. like, no, that's great. And he's like, can I? Can we make an appointment tomorrow? I'll bring it here, and then we'll sign up the offer, finish up. And I'm like, yep, we make the appointment. I never hear from him again. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 here, and here's the point of that. Do you think that that person found someone else to, you know what I mean? Like, I, I guess, yeah, I, 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 guess I guess by, I guess you have to fill out FinTrack. So that wouldn't have kept it. The, the issue is saying in, in the FinTrack document, it says, do, you know, was anything unusual about this yeah. experience? Um, and I think that's where maybe some, um, fudgeability might enter sure. the process. Yeah, um, sure. But yeah, I, it's, I, it's nothing I've ever had to deal with. Yeah. Agreed. Now, I do have the five points. So let's list those off and then we can uh, move along because these aren't, ex- there's not a lot of teeth to these. It's just saying, like, hey, yeah. we, we care. One, accept only verified funds. We've been doing that our whole career. That I have never been in a time where, oh, well, actually, that's not true. When I first started, you could take a check. Okay, but you couldn't take cash. 25 years could never ago, take che- I, was, I was an assistant in my office, and a guy came in with a briefcase with $5,000 cash. It was underneath the 10000 thing. I'd never seen $5,000. I was like eight years old. <laughs> and he put it on the countertop, and the receptionist, Susan, said, what am I supposed to do with this? I'm supposed to walk to the bank and deposit it for you? I'd never seen it. haven't seen it since. Yeah, exactly. Number two, mandatory anti-money laundering education. Sure. So is that I, educating us? I am the yeah, realtors. I would probably? think so. I think we yeah. do that. Yeah. Uh, three smart regulation recommend the federal government amend the proceeds of crime and money laundering and terrorism act intelligence to be made available to additional regulatory authorities. Super vague. Yeah. BC Securities Commission, FICOM. They just want to spread this information around a little bit. Okay. Number four, ongoing engagement. Sure. That's a nice recommendation. Five, timely and transparent reporting. I think we do. Which is already happening. Fin, I mean, our fin truck's got to go in right away. Yeah. So, yeah. so this is a lot of fluff. Sure sounds. Is like it now? Is it? Is it and, and, and the article was specific about the real estate industry. It wasn't money, money laundering in general. The no, article was no, specifically real estate. It, it, it's not just realtors though. It realtors. Everybody Employers. in the real. They all got together. Yeah. Notaries, mortgage brokers, uh, the board, the real estate association. Are we spoiled though? Like, I'm going to piss some people off. Here. <laughs> we all work at excellent real estate companies. Are we assuming that all real estate companies do it the way our companies do it? Like, is it possible that the stuff we're taking for granted at some of these other places are not being run as well? Certainly. Yeah, I would 
I I think I think I I think I I'm not saying that they don't. I do take it for granted. Yeah. The assumption is when you surround yourself by the people you surround yourself with, that becomes that becomes that that's the norm. The norm. Yeah. And um, I I've had uh, the fortunate you know uh, to be surrounded by amazing agents the majority of my career. Yeah. Um, amazing owners, brokers, and 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 management. So yeah, I I do I do become maybe a little spoiled in the in in the way that we conduct our business. Sounds about right. Well, let's move on from the news. That's enough of money laundering. <laughs> That's about all I know about it. <laughs> now you want to get nuts? Come on. Let's get nuts. You decide your own level of involvement. Well, I guess this is a case where we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't agree to that. Neither do I. Wrong. National debt. Wrong. Wrong. Advocate. Wrong. With that money, you lost. Wrong. 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 Very nice words, but... Happens to be wrong. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. The main topic today is the value of working with a community specialist, what that looks like, how detailed to get with it. One thing I'm really excited about is uh, Michael has gotten quite a bit more micro with his specialization than I think. There's all sorts. There's agents that work everywhere. There's agents that work a specific city. There's agents that work a few specific cities. And then, Michael, let's start with your specialization, because you run a very successful community group called My uh, North Langley. Yeah. What is what is North Langley? Where where does that cover? Well, I, I, there's 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 eight boroughs in Langley, little subsections, um, and uh, the three most northern boroughs are Walnut Grove, Willoughby, and uh, Fort Langley. And so, when we were looking, when I was looking to showcase. Um, community and, and you highlight all the things that are happening. Um, I just broke those three off and and uh, and said, okay, we're going to call this North Langley. Um, and so that's sort of where we showcase. Now Trish showcases Fort Langley and Jordan showcases sort of uh, uh, the rest of Langley, Murrayville and, and, and Brookswood and whatnot. Um, but that doesn't mean we do don't do business other places. That's just the place that I, I want to celebrate. Those are the places that I call home. Those are my streets, my coffee shops. Um, those are where my kids go to school. That's where I was born and raised. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I, that's the area we chose. I, I choose to celebrate on a daily basis, um, you know, with, with, with others that live in that neighborhood. What, as far as you said you go outside of area, you, like, how, how far is too far? It, that's that's a great question. So <laughs> yeah. so here's here's the problem with um, first of all being a good agent, not just that's not me, but anyone's yeah. problem, uh, and building a repeat and referral business. It's the I help someone down my street uh, buy or sell real estate, and they were super pleased with the way the transaction went. Mm-hmm. So they said, "Can you help my cousin?" But your cu- that cousin doesn't live on that street. That right. cousin lives five blocks away or 10 blocks away and then you help him and he says hey my coworker needs help and then eventually you get pulled further and further away and 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 unlike other places probably around the world the vast majority of people that live in the lower mainland move east yes. as they get older you know like when they're young they move to vancouver and yeah. then the people in Burnaby want to want to recreate their childhood. They move out to Coquitlam, Pitt Meadows. Those people move out to Langley. The people in Langley move to Chilliwack. People from Chilliwack move to you know Quinell. Uh, maybe that's a little too far up. But <laughs> but the point is they usually move east. So you might build a relationship with someone in their twenties in Surrey, and then move them into a townhouse in Langley. 
you know, while they're raising a kids and then they want to retire in Chilliwack and they want, you know, you've built that relationship and they want you to go with them. Yeah. Um, and, and we're really honest with our clients. We've got clients that we've done five, six transactions with. And uh, we had a client last year that was um, in a Soyuz and wanted us to be their agent, wanted us to do their marketing. And so we got someone on the ground in the Soyuz to, to handle the, you know, the showings and whatnot. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's not something we do normally for certain. Um, but but uh, we're very honest with our clients. But a lot of the clients want us. They trust us. Uh, but there is a too far. You yeah. know, there, it, there certainly is a too far, not only from, from, from the, the time put in as an agent, the logistics of going out and sitting face-to-face, which we love to do, going out to the local municipality and doing your homework, you know, doing the school research, doing the crime research and all that sort of stuff. Um, but there's just a flavor of knowing the community. You know, knowing, hey, what's this like? What's it like to live there? And I think there's something very interesting that's happening in our real estate industry. Probably in so- it's not our industry; it's our society. I think. I think when I first started in real estate, and but probably through the late '90s, people really cared about the granite countertops mm-hmm. and the fancy cabinetry and their backyard. I think in a 2019 world, we're much more concerned about yeah that the investment I make, but what what lifestyle comes with that investment? Yeah, you know where can I walk to the parks? What are the schools like? What are the community events like? What are like how many people when I walk down the street will say hi to me as I cross? Like is it five out of ten? Is it eight out of ten? That matters to people, and 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 for the majority of communities that we'll work in, the only way to know all those answers really really well is to live in those communities. I think you could do a lot of that research, and I think a lot of a, a lot of clients might say, "Hey, I trust you so much, Jeff, and I that you're going to look out for my best interest. That even though this isn't in your wheelhouse marketplace, I couldn't imagine doing this transaction with anyone else but you. And that's a decision your clients might be making. That that no, you don't walk those streets on a daily basis. Yeah, there's. There, I think community knowledge is one of the most important skills in the real estate process. It's not the only skill though. And there are going to be some clients who decide exactly like you said, I trust you. I want your negotiating. I want your marketing plan. Like what's better? Somebody who really knows the community but is doing the same marketing they were doing in the 80s or mm-hmm. somebody who maybe doesn't know the community as well but has top of the line fa- fantastic marketing systems whether that's in print or video or internet. Like, what are you hiring the realtor for? I think is important. To yeah, think about. it's interesting because I think community plays a big role, guys, on on both sides of the transaction. Yes, as a buyer, it's really really important to know the community so you can relate that to a buyer. But as a as a listing agent, I think it's really important to to know the story that you're going to tell about the community that gets the buyer interest in the first place. And if you can't tell that story, you know that that's that's difficult. I, I grew up in Walnut Grove before there was a Walnut Grove. I grew up on a sheep farm, and uh, it used to be a dead end street. It's two hundred eight Street overpass over the freeway, two hundred eight Street overpass. And for the last five or six years that we lived on that property, uh, as it was getting ready closer to development. Uh, we would see surveyors just come up all the time, and it was clear that they were planning to put a 208 right. street overpass. I mean, I, as a 15-year-old, <laughs> I knew it was clear. <laughs> well, right at the base of the overpass, they developed a townhouse project uh, prior to the overpass going in. And so these houses were backing onto a quiet, dead-end street at the time. <laughs> and, you know, the sales staff in there 
Oh. <laughs> no, 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 listen, listen, I don't blame the sales staff. It's yeah. public information. You could go down the town of the township of Langley and found out that that was earmarked for an overpass. They don't have to disclose something that could be, can be, dis- can be discovered upon reasonable, you know, effort, right? They don't. Yeah. But the agents that were going in there from, from, you know, New West or from Coquitlam who didn't know that was going in there. Yes, it looked like a quiet dead end street. And, and those People bought homes back on now what is a four-lane highway basically through their backyard. And sure, if I came in from a town that I didn't know those streets, I might not know that until I went to the city and I did my two hours worth of research that every agent should be doing on all their – like Trish has a a checkoff sheet that all of our buyers go through and all of our sellers go through where we go to the township or the city and we ask – this question, this question, this question, this question, this question, and we hand that to our client. It's interesting you say that because I was ready to counter you need to work with a community specialist on the buying side of things with or an agent who's really willing to do their homework. Like that hundred percent there's you can get all that stuff, but it's a lot more work if you don't if you don't know. Absolutely. And yeah. and so it comes back to that point. Like, do you really, really trust your agent to do the work they're supposed to be doing? Now, they might not tell you, hey, out of these five coffee shops, which one makes the best whatever. But <laughs> yeah. you know, a Google search away. I certainly think there's value in 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 a in a in a community expert or someone who knows the streets. Um but but anyone can do the research and find out what the five year plan for that bare five acres behind their property is going to you know going to happen. Um, especially, I think in neighborhoods that are that are having a little bit more growth or expansion than others. Like I just came up, you know, as I come to the office today across the street, you know, there's a there's an old Victorian home all boarded up, but it's got a picture of what's going in there. That matters, right? To know right. what's going on there. Um, but in the in in the areas of like vast of open space like New Westminster is kind of built up and there's going to be infill yeah. but in certain neighborhoods where there's like it's you know there's cows in my backyard and then boom it's a shopping center right you know it's called an official community plan or an OCP and almost every community since the mid 90s have these they, they, they it's a vision for what the community will be long term uh, and those are downloadable from any real municipal website and, and really you should be looking at that now could the densities change over time absolutely but it'll give you an overview of what they're trying to achieve when it comes to where the schools are where the shoppings are where you know the parks are um, so if an agent does their research they can certainly ha- take care of you but what about the part when, as a, and that's just knowing the community. You could know all of that, what you just said, yeah. as a resident, if you cared about your, enough about your community. Yes. All of those things you would know. As a real estate professional, there are things you know that no one else can because you are there and you are taking the calls and getting the texts every day throughout the week, accumulating these little bits of information that turn it into, I know that this week is important or next week is important because I can feel things changing. Agreed. 100%. So where does that land then as far as what you can do for your clients if you're in Langley versus they said, hey, I'm thinking of buying in Chilliwack. And you can figure all that stuff out about the community of Chilliwack, but what about the market part of it where you're really bringing that professional market knowledge is now the right time? Am I getting good value? Should it be now? Should it be two months from now? Should I buy first? Should I sell first? Yeah. Uh, I, I Agreed. Um, those things, can, you know, the, the the numbers we're looking at when we look at real estate numbers, and, and the numbers we get are, are about three months ahead of the numbers the public gets. <laughs> but the numbers are always things that have already happened. 
yeah. the sales have already happened, where you can feel things move changing before they even happen. So when, when you talk to a professional agent, not only are you getting th- uh, you know, not only is the information you're getting three months newer than what the you know the the, the quarterly and you know the quarterly stats that are printed in the newspaper, but you're getting a feel of what's happening prior to those those numbers actually even coming to fruition, which absolutely are important. Um, but I don't think any market lives on its own, and 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 I'm not you know, and I use the Asoyos example, and that's probably the wrong example because <laughs> that's only happened once in a 25 year career. <laughs> but there's certainly the things that happen in New West, the first week of the m- month affect Langley on the third, right? And so the things happening in Langley are going to impact the things happening in Chilliwack. I think that that happens. So yeah, are you in the real estate market or not? Um, that those things matter, but but I do agree with you. I think it's an overall mix. Uh, I don't think one thing is 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 good enough on its own to to be a good agent. So we mentioned earlier, Michael, you're an exceptional video marketer. This is really your claim to fame in the industry now. If did you mention it earlier, Jeff? Because I, I, I was checking the the board. For you weren't levels. listening to me. I would no, I wasn't listening. <laughs> I listened to the whole show. I listened to every word you say, Matt. <laughs> Did, did we mention about Michael's public speaking experience and we, how extensive that is? We did not. You know it better than I do, the resume. Well, I, I, I don't know every uh, public speaking engagement Michael has ever done, but uh, our first exposure uh, to Michael was he came in and, and gave a talk, um, which I think I've heard you give this speech at least five times now. It's uh, titled uh, Never Market Vanilla or Don't Market yeah, yeah. Vanilla. No More Vanilla Marketing. No More Vanilla Marketing. And it, it's all about how every agent kind of tries to sell the exact same way, the one f- picture of the front of the house and how it is and how through using social media and other internet uh, means we can get a lot more specific and target who's going to and write different ads for different people. It's brilliant. And the reason I've heard it so many times is I get something else out of it every time I hear it. Um, but yes, uh, and you've given that. How many How many countries have you spoken about real estate in at uh, this point? Yeah. So, you know, uh, well, let me see. You, uh, some in Europe. I don't know. Ha- just all of them. <laughs> and it's funny, too, because my buddy's uh, a, a dental sales rep for Henry Schein. And um, we, we, we sit in, you know, in the backyard and have a glass of wine. And it's amazing, you know, a person that runs uh, is a dentist that runs a business. I mean, yeah, he's a doctor, but he also runs a small business. How many things that are so similar between a real estate a professional and, and a business owner like a dentist. And so he says, hey, Michael, can you come in and, and, and speak to... So on, on, on Monday, I was down in Vancouver yeah. speaking to a room full of dentists. <laughs> uh, and and, and they're, I, I didn't get the feedback that I get from a real estate you know, talk yeah. because they're, you know, real estate agents are usually a little bit more uh, outgoing personality-wise. Um, but the opportunities that exist for us in the way that we can market exist for any business that didn't exist before yeah you know like we this one guy was talking about this you know i heard this one guy did this awesome thing where he did ten thousand dollars worth of restoration uh, on this guy's face uh, or teeth that that didn't have the means to do it himself you know that was like a, a marginalized person in society and then the local news picked up the story and ran with the bctv he's talking about, he's talking about a story from 10 years ago and he says i wish i could do something like that and I go, you don't even need BCTV anymore. Right. Like, what are you waiting for the news to to highlight that? You know, we're you know, <laughs> pop out a cell phone and tell that story about how you're taking this person and, and here's how we do it and here's how we take care of people and here's how we give back to our community. You know, the 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 gatekeeper is gone. You guys didn't have to go and pitch this show to CKNW. Right. 
you went out and got some equipment, had a little bit of initiative, and say, I'm going to bring value to the people in my community by keeping them up to date with what's happening in the real estate industry. This podcast is a prime example of how things have changed. Um, and so the opportunities are enormous. Uh, um, y- you know, and, and, and I think the vast majority of real estate agents are so busy in their business that they don't have time to think about what they can be doing on the business. And one of the amazing things about working with Trish and Jorda is they permit me a little time each week to to work right. on our business. Uh, you know, if I was a solo practitioner, it gets a little bit more difficult. Yeah, you know? absolutely. So I'm introducing the idea of your expertise in marketing and video marketing because this ranks obviously really high to you in your business. And the question is, Jeff kind of posed this yesterday as we're planning for the show. If you had to choose area specialist or somebody who doesn't know your area but takes the marketing, which one are you going to rank higher? Because clearly you take a ton of passion in your community. That ranks extremely high. But with all of the... We're we're in some sort of imaginary imaginary scenario where the community expert with the skills doesn't exist. That's what we're proposing. Yeah. And and, 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 and is the the agent in this hypothetical (laughs) scenario representing a buyer or a seller? Well, that's... Oh, that, that's question number two. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> that affects it. Yeah. I think a person that can market is is better than a community specialist for the seller. And the reason why I say that is the key, the key job, the most successful thing a listing agent can do is to get qualified buyers who are ready, willing, and able to purchase the property through the front door. The more people through the front door, the more likely you'll find the ideal buyer. The ideal buyer pays top dollar. That's it. It's the amount of people yep. through the front door, and the buying agent can do the sales pitch on the community. Right? If I don't have any expertise, absolutely. My job is to get people through the front door. If I'm representing the buyer, marketing doesn't factor into that process. My job is to go do the research to, despite how fancy the video is or the photos online is. My job is to know every single property that might fit my client's needs and to protect their investment as best I possibly can. In fact, I have a questionnaire that we go through with all of our buyers. It's about 45 questions. We do not talk about price range. We do not talk about style of home. We don't talk about community. I ask them all these questions. Is this important to you? Is, 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 is recreation important to you? Is, is you know, proximity to work? Is natural light important to you? I ask all these questions about lifestyle. And afterwards, I go, I kind of think this type of home in this neighborhood is right for you based on their lifestyle. And so the only reason why I know the difference between living in Brookswood and living in Walnut Grove, which are vastly different lifestyles, both in a 2,000-square-foot home with three bedrooms, two baths, um, then I can go. So I think as a buyer, community expert has way more value. As a seller, a marketing expert has more value. Good answer. What, I think. One thing to add to that, too, is Thanks, Matt. the agency rules having changed. So a realtor cannot represent both the seller and the buyer in yeah. our market anymore. Thank you used, You used to run into, well, I want to hire the number one guy in my community because he has all the buyers. But do you necessarily want the guy who has all the buyers or do you want him to come and sell your property as a buyer's agent? There's interesting levels to think about now. And, and which brings me to, but, but, but good marketing, just on that point, yeah. good marketing would still have those buyers show up on your front door. Yes. So let's say you don't have all the buyers, but you're able to market. You're, those buyers are still going to come. Well, doesn't matter coming. if you had them or not. They're yeah. coming. Yes. <laughs> if yeah. you do your job properly. Yes, 100%. So, and, and I guess let's say we, we've decided. So we, we've talked about marketing is probably more important for a seller, although community knowledge 
massively important still. I think because the community knowledge is what helps you market the property. Because yeah. it's, I don't think marketing a real estate a piece of real estate is, let's talk about these the drywall and two by fours. Yes. I think we're talking about here's the property and here's here's the life that you would have if you called this place home. And a lot of that story to me is the community that surrounds it. Yes. So I so, think marketing has a lot to do with community. So let's say our, our listener is sold. Whether they're buying or they're selling, they, they've decided, okay, I'm going to go with a community expert. Mm-hmm. Now, what do they do to figure that out? Because mm-hmm. do they just drive around and look for who has the most signs? Like, how do you identify the community expert? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, <laughs> you know, I you know, I, I I think I think you know, my my the beginning of my real estate career happened at the kitchen table and we've spoken about this before. We used to get invited in at the kitchen table. Yeah. And they would usually invite three or four different agents in. And and that's the place where they got to ask you all those questions about who you are and and what do you do and how do you do it. Now when we get asked in the kitchen table, the vast majority of the times we're the only one there. Because that decision happened somewhere else. That 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 initial interview happened online. So I've never sat over the shoulders of a potential buyer and saw you know the 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 Google searches that that took place in order to find out that information. I don't I you know rarely do we see the crowdsourcing that happens with friends on Facebook on who you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know we're the power of the mommy groups. One hundred percent. The power of the mommy groups for good and 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 good. And I said evil, but good. If you're good at what you do, no amount of marketing will keep you from being successful. No lack of marketing will keep you from successful. And no matter how bad you are at your job, no amount of marketing will will alleviate. Yeah. You know what I mean? In a in in in, in a nineteen ninety six world. That big shiny ad in the yellow pages was enough to to counteract your bad reputation mm-hmm. because there wasn't a, you know this this log of who you yeah are. there wasn't a, an easily accessed venue to tell the truth yeah so but uh, now a kick ass mom and pop shop that doesn't have the marketing budget but everyone loves yeah you're okay you know I just don't think I just don't think you can get away you know so I I, I think I think it's done on YouTube searches Google searches crowdsourcing Facebook friends reading some blog posts uh, asking hey who did you use and how did they do uh, in comparable you know I, I just think there's a lot of research happening now I, I think the buying cycle of choosing an agent has gone from a three to six months to finding an agent to buying a home to like I'm going to start like stalking agents for 12 months and then make my decision and then mm. then the buying process still happens. I just think people just just I think they're they're doing the research before the phone rings. Yeah. Well, and those are the clever people who are doing it right. What I find some people think they got a community specialist is because of the agent they hired lives around the corner from them. But what they might be missing is that agent might live in your community and knows your community but isn't actively working or marketing your community. Well, and there's all sorts of weird scenarios. Like when I when I started in real estate, I was living in kits and working at this office here in New West. And I almost became a sell your condo and move to the suburbs specialist. Like that became a real thing. I, I can't tell you how many people I sold out of kits and brought to the suburbs and then eventually i did that because, <laughs> because you had the expertise in both yeah you, you you were living that lifestyle and you knew so you could articulate well i know what your life is like here and here's the things you can have if you come here. well and that's a hundred percent because the two communities to this day that i like my three areas i work most are certain portions of vancouver kits mount pleasant they're kind of like the real community communities of vancouver 
and then the suburbs where you can replicate that, where you get an identity. And and that's New West, Port Moody, and to some extent parts of White Rock. Like there are there are but like the kit seller loves Port Moody. They want to live in Newport Village because they don't have to give up their kit's life. Like it, it yeah. it's exactly what you were talking about. It's yeah. lifestyle all yeah. day long. Like, and they're it, looking to replicate it. Yeah, they don't want to give it up. Yeah. Whereas if they move to parts of Burnaby, yeah, it, it's, a it's, massive it's not change. there. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah, it'd make you sad. Yeah. If you're coming from kits, <laughs> it's not going to feel the same at all. So that makes sense. You know, you found a, a specialization there where it fits, you know, the, what they're looking for, right? Yeah. And their lifestyle is, I think, is everything. It, it is what people are looking for. Just to fill you in, just in case you didn't know, of all of us here at the table, Matt has probably gone the most community specialist here. Yeah, that's Matt, what you're saying. Matt... Uh, rarely, if ever, leaves New West. Like, you, you ride or die New West. 95% yeah. of my business every year for the last nine years has been in, in yeah. New West. Okay, so let, 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 me, let me put a scenario to you. Uh, Bob and Mary uh, bought, bought three or five years ago, and they love you. They bought New West. They love you. But they're going to have a kid, and they want to move to, let's say, not that far away. Uh, let's say Coquitlam. You, you you say, I, I, I love you guys, but I'm going to refer you out to an agent out there? Or do you have them do the search on their own? Or how so do you take care of them? So historically, that was getting referred. It started out with the agent who I first partnered with in the beginning. Uh, it, it's, it's played out very differently the last few years as prices have changed and price bands have changed. There's not a lot of natural moving up in the same city anymore. Yeah, so yeah. it used to be I, I was able to take care of myself exceptionally well by taking somebody out of a condo in New West yeah. and into a detached house in New West because you could afford that price gap and people who were here loved to be in New West, they loved their community and they didn't want to give it up. They didn't want to give up their community or their lifestyle and that was it. It was just a lot of internal movement. And people didn't leave New West to go to Coquitlam. Yeah. What they will do is they will leave New West to bypass Coquitlam and get to a cheaper neighborhood, yeah. which is Maple Ridge, Pitt Meadows, or into Langley. They tend to leave New West and bypass most of Surrey if it's not just North Delta over the bridge. Those are kind of the natural movements that we get from New West. So it didn't happen very often where it was really close by. Yeah. It was just, it was all within the community. But in the last few years, most of my clients who come to me to sell out of New West can't afford to stay in New West. And the model has had to evolve. And That's I an do find myself more now in those neighborhoods. I find myself in North Langley. That is the most natural move for people That's from the West. That's a very natural place. Like, we were talking about the natural place for somebody from Kits to go to. North Langley's a pretty natural yeah, for place for a New West. There's a reasonable to, amount I know I about Willoughby yeah. Walnut Grove in Fort yeah. Langley. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it's just very, very interesting. <laughs> uh, and, and you know what? I have a ton of respect for those agents that, um, that do that. I mean, if we... If we if we can say to ourselves as a team that uh, this client is in better hands with somebody else for whatever reason, marketing, yeah. then we'll put that client in someone's better hands. If we truly believe that we are the best three people to take care of those, to make sure they're making the right decision, then, then we'll take on that project. Yeah. Um, and, and that really comes down to all those know, like, and trust, repeat, referral. You know, They know the way we do business. But we will always, put the, we'll always do what's right for our client. It's never, it's never, it's never, it's never taking someone and helping them into a place in Abbotsford because we want a paycheck. That will never happen it, with us. It's hard to trust a client that you've put so many years into with like, oh, like if you have somebody in the area that you're like, yeah, they're like me. They're going to do a great job. Great. But I mean, like 
we have clients who, like I've got clients who I've been helping since they bought their first home. They're now on their fifth. And I, I would never be able to refer them out to somebody because, I mean, I've, I've known them. So I've, I've, I've seen them raise their kids. <laughs> like, I don't believe anybody else is going to care about them as much as... And it's as interesting because, well, you know, so, when, when I do have a client come to me and says, hey, Michael, can you recommend someone in so-and-so town? And I, you know, or let's say I don't know... I don't know the the buyer. Let's say another realtor says, can you recommend someone in so-and-so town? I'll say, what kind of agent does your client want? Yeah. Because it's not always Tom's the best agent to go to. Tom's the right agent if they want a super laid-back, yeah. fun-loving, if they need an analytical brain. Like, there's always the right agent for the right client, and, and it's not always the same. No matter how much I love that agent, that agent always might not be the right fit. For, for my particular client based on what they need. Some people need more hand-holding. Some people just need, you know, just give me the stats. I'm a stat guy, right? Um, so there's always the right fit. Yeah. And, and that's way more important than just here's someone for you. Well, I, I think we've given the listeners a ton to talk about. If you guys have any questions for us, anything you want to follow up on, you can send your questions to feedback at morealestateshow.com. And on that note, we've got some questions for Michael. Oh, great. Check out the big brain on Brad. How's it working out for you? What? Being clever. Who knows where thoughts come from? They just appear. You're listening to Multiple Offers, a real estate show. All right, Michael, so I have a couple questions for you. That I have not seen or heard. You have not seen. Um, Michael runs uh, a couple of uh, real estate Facebook groups. Yes. On video marketing. And I put up in one of those a, hey, we're having Michael on the show. Do you have any questions? Um, and don't post them on the page. That was so. really hard. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. At least three realtors, maybe some realtors just don't follow instructions very well. There were a lot of people posting on the page and then people scolding them for like, did you read? <laughs> it specifically said, don't post it on the page. Can I, can I tell you a quick little story? <laughs> one, of the te- uh, one of my son's teachers gave them a 20-question quiz. And the instructions were, read all mm. the questions first. And the very last question was, do not fill out, like, do not do yeah. this test. Right? And, and it's like only like six kids out of 30, like, didn't do the test. <laughs> I got that test in grade seven. Okay. And I failed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I, and, then, and then when you factor in realtors, I don't think you're going to have a high did, success rate of... Did your kid pass the test? Oh, no. No. No, yeah. no, not my yeah. boy. Yeah. <laughs> he did. I think he probably got to, like, question 17 and wondered why a lot of the people weren't still working and probably got wise to it. But, no, he failed. So this question comes from Jesse Peters. Oh, great. I love this man. Why the Jays over the Mariners? And why do you love frogs so much? Oh, dude. And, and I have no idea what Jesse's talking about here. First of all, he knows the second question is a lie. <laughs> Uh, I love the Mariners. Uh, I love the Seattle Mariners. Uh, they're definitely the, 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 the team, the second team that I cheer for the most. Okay, so when Jesse says but I love Jays the over Mariners, the he, Jays, it he, is, he's, he's gaslighting he's, you a bit. Here. No, 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 he's right. Jays over Mariners. You pick Jays over yeah, Mariners. So every, okay. year, every year we rent a house down in Seattle. Um, we bring the grandparents out, the aunts and uncles. Uh, we get about 13 people in a house and we spend... Uh, a week down there and taking the four Jays Seattle games. Uh, while I'm there, I'm definitely a Jays fan. 
there's no doubt about it. Uh, if uh, the Mariners are playing, if there's if there's any other team that I'll root for, it is the Mariners because you know they're they're, they're a Seattle team. Uh, I grew up in the Griffey years, um, but I am a Jays fan. And what's the deal with the frogs? I am <laughs> I am petrified of frogs. You're scared of frogs? <laughs> petrified. <laughs> And uh, and it is it it is such a thing that I'll just come home, and there'll just be a frog calendar on my front doorstep from an evil friend of mine who thinks it's funny. Uh, there's about six or seven Christmas ornaments on our Christmas tree that are frogs that the kids I'll move to the back, and then they will just the next morning they're out in front again. The kids think it's hilarious. Uh, I am petrified of frogs. I don't know why I have a phobia of frogs. I think they're an evil creature. D- d- your whole life? Uh, it was. It was. I've always had a fear of frogs. And then one night, uh, when my uh, oldest boy was six months old, we were we were camping, uh, and uh, a frog got into the tent while my my wife had <laughs> had taken him out to like uh, feed him and walk him, or like to like feed him and like put him back to bed. And I woke up, and the frog was on my cheek, yeah. looking like me right in the eye. And I had an absolute meltdown. And my wife was so convinced it was just my pho- phobia that there wasn't actually a frog in the tent. Like she thought you were having a nightmare oh, or something. Absolutely. Yeah. And then sure enough, she saw it jump later on. But that 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 frog snuck into the tent to take me out. Fair enough. Frogs aren't meant for to be for you because I've no. never heard of a frog sneaking into someone's tent. Yeah. I think they the might Pacific actually be Northwest. out to get you. They are out there. <laughs> yeah. And so it's an ongoing joke. People send me little memes all the time or post things on Facebook. You'll now see it where people tag me in photos of frogs all oh, the time. Thanks, Jesse. Huh. All right, so I got a, I have a real question for you. Okay. Uh, this comes from Jason Grimes. Oh, Jason. Yeah, uh, and he says, how does a community page translate into more business if you don't let them know that you're a realtor? And a little context for our listeners, Michael's My North Langley uh, community page that he's set up is a fantastic source um, for information in the community. It's not salesy at all. In fact, no. I don't think there's any mention anywhere that you're a realtor. So he he says, is it just retargeting the people who do it through ads? Is it follow up? Is it is it just organic? When I look at his, your your community page, there's not much there telling people about buying or selling houses. I'm curious if you have a not so obvious strategy to build clientele, or is it strictly I just want to be the digital mayor of my town and I don't need to promote that I'm in real estate. Thanks. Uh, Jason, I think it's a combination of all those. Yeah. Uh, certainly. Um, if you were to go there, uh, you would see videos that, that, that say, you know, the little, the little, uh, uh, lower third shows up, says Michael Thorne, minor co-founder of my North Langley. Uh, and then it switches over to Remax, uh, lifestyles realty that, that, you know, that's there. Uh, we do, uh, these awesome little, 45-second market updates, video market updates um, that are all real cool graphs. Those go out once a month, and it's brought to you by the Thorne Maisie Bongers Real Estate Group. Um, I ask permission on the page of the followers, hey, would you be okay if I posted you know, relevant real estate information once a you, month on You it. asked permission yeah. on your page. Yeah, see, this, 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 <laughs> this, and this is why it works. Yeah. I really believe that that, that town square is 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 own is belongs to you don't all think of, us. of it as your page no well, this is very matt sicarisy yeah <laughs> <laughs> it belongs to them they're the ones that bring me the content they're the ones that say hey can you post this hey they're yep. the ones that share and comment on it um i've just built something where they can gather and share and celebrate now the reason why it's a page and not a group is there has to be some sort of gatekeeper i always find groups they they 
go down to the lowest common denominator pretty quick. We, like they can get like like I read the comments and I shouldn't have. Yes, kind of situation. Exactly. Yeah. We, we've got a community group here uh, that so far we've been good keeping the community spirit. But man, you see groups turn into poison. Like they can go toxic so fast. Absolutely. And and you, and yeah. you know and you know how inside these Facebook groups about real estate. You know that Jesse and I have built how how much we are like protect the culture, protect the culture, protect the culture. But but when it comes to to real estate marketing, I really believe this, and in, in you know uh, I believe this that it's not it's not in the best interest of your real estate business to try to connect with home buyers and sellers. I think it's too late. They're already home buyers and sellers. I think we as real estate experts should be relevant to the people in our community in between the homes that they buy and they sell. Yes. Right. And so if you're the person they know, like, and trust the most, and you happen to be a realtor, a dentist, a lawyer, a tattoo artist, if you're the person they trust the most, when they require your services, they will hire you to perform those services or help them get those services. So we're about building know, like, and trust with our community. And I think there are hundreds of people that live in my community that have already chosen to work with Jordan, Trisha, myself that have no intention of moving. Yeah, and so it is a long term play, but it's not a play. I love my community. I was born and raised there. I was one of the original families there. I love it. I celebrate it. But I also don't believe that we've all worked with friends and family. You don't every single time your friend Tom comes over to watch the game. You don't go, "Hey, I'm a realtor." <laughs> you don't. You wait. You guys don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> You've mentioned it once. People yeah. already know, or, or maybe you do know. That's just the way I've always been. Um, I'm not a real salesy sort of guy. I'm not, um, and that's just the way I'm comfortable about it. I really think if you connect with me, listen for my North Langley, Jason. If you scratch the surface this much to find out who this Michael Thorne is, it's I'm a Remax agent. Like you don't have to dig too deep, right, to figure it out. So uh, that's just the way I've always approached it. Awesome. Well, I hope that answers your question, Jason. Yeah, I think the answer is. It's not easy. <laughs> like you've got to be sincere. You've got to be authentic. You've got to be consistent. Like you have to perform. Yeah, that's the difference. There's nothing salesy or slimy about what you're doing, but it doesn't come by just sitting back on the couch and being like, "Yeah, I went to my kid's ball game, and now I'm going to get all the calls for the whole baseball team." Agreed. Right? Got to do more. It doesn't mean that you have to be in their face and you got to be a jerk about it, but you got to work. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. Any more questions, Jeff? I mean, I suppose we could do a lot, but this is, this is not a two-hour show. Let, let's. I want Michael teased that he's got a story he really oh, wants to tell, man. and I, I don't think I can wait any longer. It's story time with Jer. Great story, compelling and rich. It's not always my story. No, it's not always your story. What if Matt has an awesome story to tell? Well, he can tell it to me or write it down, and I will <laughs> paraphrase. This is multiple offers, a real estate show. All right, my real estate story. So, so Jeff, you sent me a message. You said, "Hey, do you have a real estate story you can tell?" And I right away I said, "Does it have to be my own story?" Right? Because yeah. I truly believe this is the greatest real estate story. No, no, I know for certain it's the greatest real estate story I've ever heard. <laughs> so, not not to put too much hype. No, it is. It's, it's a fantastic story. Cool. And, and, and I'm just going to turn my mic off. Yeah, and I and I do want to start saying this is a story that was told to me in the early '90s. Um, at 15 years old, I became an assistant at a real estate office. And at age of 19, I became an agent, and at both at the same office. And I spent, until I was 36, I stayed at that office. And my very first manager, who's now passed on, was one of the great men 
in the real estate industry, Larry Lang. And if people you know that are former realtors know Larry, everyone loved Larry. He was a great man. But he told the story to me one time. And then every like office party we would have, we'd sit down and have a beer and I'd be like, tell me the story again. It's classics. And so I did see some or hear some Tarantino clips uh, uh, in, in sort of the, the, the breakaways of the podcast. So I've decided that I'm going to tell it Tarantino style. I'm going to give you the ending of the story and then we'll reverse engineer the story. <laughs> oh, you know what oh, you're speaking my language. So <laughs> a buyer has bought their dream home on the slope in Abbotsford. Now, the thing with the slope in Abbotsford, very similar to the slope here in New West, if you are on the far side of the street, your backyard looks into the hillside, and if you are on the view side and you've got a rancher with a basement, walk-up basement, you get two stories worth of views and an un- unobstructed view of the valley. And their dream home is this two-story walk-out basement with this gorgeous view on this quiet street in Abbotsford. And the morning that they are moving to their new home, they're driving down the street in a moving truck. And they, they see that a house across the street, directly across the street from their dream home, has a moving truck that's pulling out of the driveway. And so they pull into the driveway of their brand new home. They ring the doorbell, and a lady answers the door. And she goes, hi, can I help you? And she goes, he goes, well, we're moving in today. I'm like, oh, great. Well, it's cool that you've come to meet the neighbors. And the guy said, pardon? He says, well, you're moving in across the street. She goes, no, I'm moving into this home. And the lady says, no, this is my house. You're not living in this house. This is the good one. Yeah. So here's the story. I guess three or four months earlier, the realtor is out showing that particular buyer some homes. And as real estate agents do, we know the street and the block that we're going to go and look at. And so when we go down the street and we see the name of the agent on the sign outside the house, we pull into the driveway. Well, that morning, the kids out playing on the street had taken the for sale uh. sign from one side of the street to the other side of the street. What? And so when they pulled into the driveway they turn to the kids playing in the front yard and say, we're here to see the home. And the kids go, okay, go ahead and take a the look. The kids showed them the home? <laughs> the kids say, go ahead and take a look. So the couple go through the home. And this is back in the day of MLS printout and a new listing doesn't have a photograph. Right? Yeah. They go through the home while they fall in love with it and it's priced so low. <laughs> you know, it's priced so well to be the, this dream home on the side of the street. They go back to the office and they fill out the contract. Well, of course, the contract has the right legal description and the right address, oh all the God. right details of the house that they've never seen. They submit that offer to the other listing agent who assumes they've seen the home. Made an appointment. They went and saw the house. Went and saw the house. They do an accepted offer. They Did set, they not do an inspection? They send the inspector there <laughs> to do the right house. But they don't show up in the inspection. So the inspector... Oh. The inspector inspects the right house, the proper home. And this is back before the digital photography days. He sends the report of the ad- of the address. A written report. Written report. <laughs> oh, I, 
Everything oh. is legally binding. The seller of the house across the street has done nothing wrong. The buyer has pulled out all the documents that legally bind them to that property. They remove subjects. They convey title. They get a mortgage on the property. Never, ever <laughs> stepping foot in the house. And three months later, they drive down the street and they pull in to it. And Larry says what happened was the, the insurance compensated them somehow and they ended up moving into the house, and every morning they got to get to the newspaper and look across the street at the dream home they never actually bought. That's the greatest real estate story of all time. Oh. <laughs> wow. I mean, you can, I mean, as agents, maybe the public doesn't understand that, but as agents, you can understand how that could happen. I've had almost this thing happen, but not nightmarish. Yeah. Like, I, I've um, had a, a condo of the same floor plan sell and then the one right above come up and same price exact same lookout layout everything and and we wrote on it thinking we'd seen it but then when we but we came to the inspection they realized and they didn't care they're like well i want this layout and it's one floor higher for the same price this is a happy accident. Your story is horrifying. <laughs> like, yeah, it's about seven <laughs> unbelievable things that all happen at the right time and 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 the, the only mistake made was the realtor didn't look at the address before they walked into the house. That's really yeah. the only well, and it, you can see how that could and happen. And why would you on MLS it like like I can see how it happens. I I definitely fall victim for driving down the street and being like, "Well, I'm going to the house with the sign on it." The right sign. It's the, the right, right listing agent. The, right the kids block. let you in. Yeah, the they kids let are. you in. Wait, so did <laughs> the those kids, kids really played them? Did the kids still live there, or were they in the house that got sold? Oh, there was apparently there was like five or six kids, and they thought it was hilarious. So maybe one of the kids moved, but the other four brats probably still lay there. But Can was, you imagine but though? You walk out to get your morning paper, and you got to stare at the kid who tricked you into buying the wrong property. That to me is the thing that sort of sticks with the story the longest. Is every morning your view, your <laughs> view the of the valley of the house you thought you bought. Every moment of every day, you're staring oh, at the house man. you thought you bought. I think it's the greatest real estate story of all time. That is. Probably the best story we've had on this show. Yeah, we're not doing the segment anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poor Jer is going to come back and uh, find I miss, out. I miss Larry Lang very, very dearly. Oh, great, man. Great what dude. a story. And he was a great storyteller, too. He could tell it really, really well. <laughs> wow. Okay, well, that's going to do it for us. As promised, we'll talk a little video, but we'll do it after our outro. Uh, if you want to get a hold of Michael Thorne and his team, you can find them at TMB, as in Bob, realestate.com. If you want to get a hold of Matt, he is at thenewwestguys.com. And if you want to reach me, Jeff McLennan, I am at realestatenewwest.com. If you are enjoying this show, please think about reviewing us on iTunes, as Matt corrected me last or episode. Or whatever platform you listen to that has a rating option. Yeah, I don't think there's many, but iTunes <laughs> definitely does. So if, if you feel like leaving us a five-star review, that helps us find more listeners. And the listeners have been skyrocketing lately. We've been getting a lot yeah, more people. Just wait so. what's going to happen after Michael oh, Thorne. Well, after on, that right. story, <laughs> that, that might be our clip of the episode. So anyway, thank you guys very much. And thank you, Michael, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. So if you're still listening, there's a very good chance you're interested in hearing more about Michael's amazing video skills. I am a, a total convert. I, I took the video boot camp when you did it here in Vancouver. 
You're doing it again. We did it in a pub in Vancouver, which was like a cool place to do it. It, it was, was awesome. it was so hipster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like my my buddy owns a pub in Vancouver, and I called him up and I said, "Hey man, I'm looking to have you know 60 agents to do training, you know, all day for two days, in, you know, in a venue in Vancouver, and it doesn't have to be traditional. Where can I do it?" And he said, "Here." And I went, yeah, in Vancouver. He went, no, here in my pub. <laughs> I was like, all right, let's do that. So it was awesome. I loved the venue. It, yeah, it was great. It, and it, it felt very collaborative. Like it for, it, a, for anyone living in Vancouver, Relish the Pub is the pub that it was at. And, and, and Lee and Todd own it there. And it's, yeah. it's an awesome. You've spot. never done it in a pub again? No, although we tried. Yeah. It, she, I mean, the, you know, I happen to know the owner and he knew what we were up to. I mean, to go up to a pub owner and says, hey, we want to run a class in yeah. your school. Yeah. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> but it was, it was a perfect venue at the perfect time of year. It was nice and warm outside and all the doors were open. It was sweet. So that's video boot camp. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and when is the new one? Uh, we're doing it May 29th and 30th in Denver at the Remax World headquarters. Uh, you do not have to be a Remax agent to go there. Uh, in fact, uh, Jeff, you were on a podcast with uh, uh, Adam Contos, the CEO of uh, Remax, and and I was listening to it, and he said, uh, "Quickly take the boot camp before Jesse and Michael figure out they're ch- they're charging too little." So I, it's, like, <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's like the best testimonial we've ever had because uh, it speaks to um, Jesse and I doing it for the passion of it. Um, more than the profit of it, and uh, yeah, it's awesome two days. That is awesome, and as of recording today, you do have spaces available. Yeah, we have like seven spots left. Yeah, and it's a it's a phenomenal venue at World Headquarters. I was it's- trying to get my wife to go because oh, really? I'm trying to get Rach to um, uh, get a little more involved in the post production. For our listeners who don't know, she has a production background, but not video, radio. Yeah, and uh, I I've been she, she's been helping me with stuff. But it's really hard to try and convey skills to your wife and be a good husband at the same time. And I was like, you know what might be easier is why don't we just go take this class together and then they can tell you what I'm trying to Dude, to say. I, I, <laughs> co- I coached baseball for 20 years and yeah. I've coached a lot of kids that have gone on to have decent careers. And, and my kid, my boy, I can't fix the swing. <laughs> swing. I can't yeah. fix the swing for it. Like, I, what do I know? I'm his dad. I can't fix yeah. the swing to help him. So, there But you go. I, I don't think we can swing this one, but I, w- I want to know when, yeah. when your next one's sure. coming up because I, I do want to get Rach out there. What's, what's something I listen So let's say we've got somebody listening who maybe is dabbling in video or is doing a bit. What, what are some kind of quick tips for getting started or whatnot just to get them sort of... Where should they start? Uh, first of all, I think, I, you know, it's sort of cliche. I think you have to start with figuring out the content that excites you to create. I, I think if I tell you, you have to go create this video about, you know, local restaurants in your community and they right. don't have a passion for discovering their community or food, it's going to become a super, super challenge. If I say to yeah. you, you must sit down and create video about, you know, go through the stats of the previous month and they're a creative person, that doesn't work. I really think you have to find out what excites you in life. And if that, and, 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 and therefore you, you'll like doing it and you'll have, and you'll, in you'll, you'll find the rabbit hole sucking you in. Yeah. Uh, and then once you start creating the content, um, I just really believe, and Jeff, you know this, you, you start seeing the results, and the results are what keep you doing it because it, it's it's it, it's just, uh, it becomes addictive because the results are so much better. <laughs> addictive is 100% the right word. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, when we did video, started doing video, seriously, we had 18 years of previous real estate ex- marketing experience. And when we did video, we went, oh, wait, this is different. Like yeah. it, like the, re- the reaction is different. The people, that, after they see the video, feel like they already know you. They, they have inside jokes with you or all those sort of things. So um, I, I just think you figure out what you want to do. 
and then start doing it and then incrementally get better at it. But there's a lot of things, and this is what the video boot camp does. Everything I've learned about video, I, I sort of being self-taught or I've gone down the rabbit hole. If in 2011 I had someone that would set me down for two days and say, don't do this, don't do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, um, I would be three, five, I'd be five, six years ahead of where I am. Like I... My first video was two and a half minutes long, and I had did it in one take 83 times because I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know a basic cut. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I just didn't know that. And so now we say in our class, you know, to create great video content, you have to be relatively coherent for 10 seconds at a time, and that's the truth. Yeah. And the moment you understand, you you can cut things up. Then you start to relax. And the moment you start to relax, then you can nail 30 seconds at a time because you're not overthinking. I mean, it's funny how we can be so articulate in front of a client as we walk through the house. Yeah. Replace that client with a camera and you do not know what to do with yourself. It's the same speech. It's the same spiel. Yeah. You just become... And I just think it's a very natural. Your head starts thinking. You start hearing your own self speak. And when you do that, you start to like stumble because you're not thinking about the next sentence. You're thinking about that word. And your brain kind of all sort of mashes up with it. I would imagine your podcasts are better 51 in than episode three. I just think that's a natural place to go. We've gone back and, and listened to the original ones, and they're embarrassing. Yes. L like, like, and they're still available. They're still available, <laughs> and we and we're recording on like we've got nice equipment now. We're yeah. recording on just junky stuff. The audio is terrible. One one thing you said in in boot camp that really stuck with me was don't compare your level one experience with somebody else's level ten. Like the goal doesn't need to be to be a master right away and that really for me was all about like okay i i can have it's permission. an unattainable goal yeah the only thing that really people have people stumble with video is they have to stumble in public yeah in some fashion yeah. if if i said to you you have to lift 200 pounds in front of me you could go at home with your own bench press and and and, and lift 10 pounds at a time and look weak you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And build it up and then come out in front of people and then bench press 200 pounds and you'd look like you knew what you were doing. The thing about video is you're, a you're actually required to stumble publicly. You must do that first lift in front of In front of everybody. everybody. Yeah. But the only way you get to 200 pounds is to lift 10 and like not be able to shave the next day because your hands are shaking. Right. right? And so that's the reality of it. This idea, and here's the thing about it, the only people that are going to be great at video in the future are the people willing to to do that. If you're not willing to do that, your business, I think, is really going to I think video is that much of a game changer. And here's the thing. It's not like it's this new fad. It's just being accessible to us for the first time. Right. Video yeah. has been the way to storytell since the moving picture. And I don't think that'll change. Now, video might change. It might become more 3D or immersive, but it'll still be moving pictures and audio. That's it. Like, whatever it is, it'll be moving pictures and audio. If it's holograms or something... Is just now accessible because we have nobody can stop us from publishing it. Yeah, and and yeah. And, 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 and the equipment is you already have all the equipment you need. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, you could upgrade, but you already have all the equipment you need. Um, so yeah, that's a, a trap. The I need I oh, need to get the right oh, equipment. But, there, but there's always going to be equipment. There's always going to be better equipment. We all had some form of camcorder made available to us in our youth. Yeah. And yeah. you made a couple of videos. And okay, you thought but, they were and to edit, you'd have two VCRs. Exactly. But, okay. But where you're coming now, the point is, you do that. You 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 edit the video. 
how do you get it to the public? That's that, is, that that's is the, the problem. Game changer. Yeah. YouTube. Yeah, there's no gatekeeper anymore. No, you can go straight to the public. It's you know you can go you can go and tell the story you want to tell, um, and no one's going to tell you to 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 you know spice it up or edit it or make it funnier or make it whatever. It can be what you want. Well, somebody will, but it's the viewers. Absolutely. <laughs> so what about the bit? Because you've seen a lot of people start, obviously, yeah. through yeah. what you've done. And I started, I started several years ago. When I first started, looking at that lens yeah. was the most frightening part of the whole thing. Yeah. I've now created a relationship with the lens yep. where that's that's my friend. You're, you're my audience. I'm talking to you. I can look it right in the eye and I actually feel like I'm talking to a person. Yeah. When, how, you, where you, does that you, happen? You, are, you already <laughs> said it. Yeah, I mean, I think the real key is this. You're talking to a person. That your your video isn't being live streamed to three million people at a time in big theaters. The, the vast majority of the content we're going to be watched is going to be watched by one person at a time by themselves, right? I mean, really, that's the thing yep. about it. And so, if you can talk to one person, the avatar of your client, and mm-hmm. just tell them, you know, with all the ums and the ahs that I think are actually good at being relatable, right? The ums and ahs actually make us relatable. If it's too polished, it's too fancy. You know, it's the difference between stopping someone on the street that you recognize and stopping someone who's super famous and you feel like you're interrupting, right? There's, there's, there, there is certainly a difference there. When you can talk to one person, the person that's desperately looking for the information that you're providing for them or the entertainment or the education, if you talk to a person, it really changes everything. Here's the great thing about video. If it's a bad video, you're going to get three views, so you're not embarrassing yourself. <laughs> yep. <laughs> if it's a good video, 2,000 people will see it, and they're now they're seeing your good content. So bad video isn't going to have this mass acceptance. None of your bad videos are going <laughs> viral. None of your embarrassing moments are going viral. And, and really, we're in our heads. So Star Wars kids begs to differ. <laughs> Star Wars kids beg to differ. Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, but you know, I was in the editing, I was editing this video and then I zoomed in and I, I think I told you the story, Jeff, I had this real big white mark on my lip and what I realized it was dried uh, toothpaste that was on my <laughs> lip and I'd already finished editing it or, or close to finish editing it. I shot it and I was like, you know what, let's see, see if anyone mentions it. No one mentioned it. Now, did anyone notice it? Probably, but it did change the information I was providing? Did it change? Like, nothing, right? And now that's me after seven years of video realizing I don't care. Yeah. It um, also weighs heavier if it's the only video you put out in a quarter. Certainly. Yes. Certainly. Then they become, it stands out more. Yeah. That's certainly. the one time I saw Michael Thorne in the last well, three Well, think about and, how precious that is. Yeah. If you're only going to make one video every quarter, it's got to be really good. But if you're going to make another one like in three days. Yeah. When I think that's the hardest part <laughs> yeah. for people starting yes. is, is the frequency is really, really difficult. So every one you make feels like it weighs so much heavier in the significance of that product. But if you put out two videos per week... Two weeks later, you kind of don't even remember or care what the video was two weeks ago. You're moving on to the next one, and it's not in your head like, oh, what did I look like? How did I do? Did I wear this? Did I, you know, it's all just out the window. On to the next one. I, I have to ask while, while we're here, um, I have some pet peeves in real estate videos. Yeah. My number one pet peeve, I think, is in listing videos where you can tell the realtor spent a lot of money to get the drone shot. So they're going to use 20 like, seconds of it. Well, not even tw- like a minute yeah. of footage of like this angle, this angle, yeah. this angle. And it gets to the point where I'm like, I just want to see inside the house. Inside, please. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And inside. Do you guys have real estate video pet peeves? E- e- editing is one of one of my pet peeves um, in, 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 in that exact same point. Just because the shot is awesome. Yeah. And it is. 
like that it doesn't mean it needs to be the video. <laughs> the other thing too as well, the big pet peeve of mine, and I certainly did it. So in our video boot camps, we put up a title on the screen and we tell the audience like or the tell the class to like say now when the title's been on the screen long enough. Like mm. a real short tell, like why do you love selling real estate? And then I do a stopwatch and I stop it. Usually about a second and a half that that title's up that you're able to read it. Right? And they will, and I used to do it. Amateur videos, that title will be on the screen for seven seconds. Yeah. Like, and it's just the longest seven seconds of your life. <laughs> so the big thing for me, people say all that to me, Michael, what's the right length of a video? Length doesn't matter. Pace matters. We've all seen movies that were an hour and a half long that you said dragged in the middle. And we've all seen movies that are three hours long which, where you wished it would never end. It yeah. has to do with pace. And, and, and that's, that's a skill. It becomes a skill to understand pace. But there's no need to have a 20-second drone shot. There's no need for a five-second drone shot. Five seconds is way too long for any one particular shot. Unless yeah. it's like an, an opening shot of a movie or a big takeaway or super, something super dramatic. I moved away from the mic. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, but but I, I just think pace you know, is something that you don't realize at the beginning. And that you, you get better at it. You get, you get better at the flavor of you get you know it's a it's a muscle that you start to to, to get a skill set for sure. I've certainly never thought of my own pet peeve. I mean, I watch them and I kind of you kind of cringe sometimes, but I appreciate that they're they're doing the best they can and they got to build. <laughs> yeah, I haven't thought of any one thing. I suppose the outside shots. I would agree. I want to. I want them to get inside. Yeah. I find generally the inspirational music, fluffy outdoor shot, zoom in, come in, and then just pan around some rooms. Generally, that's not doing anything for me because I can see that in pictures at my own pace. Yeah. I don't need three and a half minutes to discover the house. I can do it in 40 seconds. So yeah. that's kind of my bit. You must have one, Jeff. Well, the the, the drone shot, yeah. for sure, is th- that's got to be my biggest one, is the, uh, I, I think, and not just the drone shot, people take too long to start. Oh yeah, get to the chorus. Like what, whatever, whatever the point is, I think you've got very little time to hold people's attention. You know, and that's something I got yeah. when I was starting doing video at the beginning. Like if I had three pieces of information to share over a minute and a half video, I kept the best one to last. Yeah, you know this idea of burying the lead. Um, I think you have to hit them with the good stuff totally. because if you're going to lose them after 30 seconds at least they got the good stuff yeah. and, it, and if you give them the good stuff then they'll stick around for the other stuff right because they got good stuff uh, I really think you get to the point get to the point like our videos our listing videos and videos in general have gone from 4 minutes to 3 minutes to 2 minutes to like a minute and 15 seconds yeah. like they're still physically going to come to the house I just think we're still living in that world. I mean, it happens where they don't, but I, then I think that's where 360 tours, like I think the video, I don't think it's video and 360 tours. I think the video says, I'm going to take you through the house in the way that I want you to. And now here's the house, explore it. Go spend time in the rooms you want to and walk through the property that you want to in your own time. So I think they complement each other for certain. It's ironic how much time people will spend digging into a home once they decide it's kind of a good fit for them. I don't think it's surprising at all. Here, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. L- listen, a, a listing video for a house that you're not interested in at a minute and a half is a minute and a half too long. <laughs> a, 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 a house that you're just about to spend $1.3 million for and you want to show your aunt and uncle, 35 minutes is too short. You know what I mean? Like, like if I'm buying yeah. the house, show me the attic. If I'm buying the house, show me the crawl space. I mean, there's not, there's just too, there's not enough of but it. But the video is the tease. Uh, uh, you yeah. said at the start of the show, we need to get people through the door, and you yeah. need to be quick. Get to the point. Tell me, am I in or am I out? And if I'm in, now, give me another venue 
where you can show me the attic. Show me everything. Yeah, I totally agree. In fact, in, when we do our little like click-throughs to our landing pages where all the information for the listing is, we used to do 15-second teaser videos. We still do them, but the ad with a 15-second te- teaser video didn't perform as three sh- sliver shots of a house next door to right. each other because in a millisecond, they can see the awesome kitchen, awesome backyard and let's say the ensuite they can see three things that are awesome about that house in a video it might be the seven second mark before they see the kitchen and if they really love kitchens and so you're right show me something i want to see now because that that thumb is scrolling scrolling by and you know that's the a b testing of 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 marketing so we we see photos get people to the video better than a 15 second video gets you to the one minute and a half video right it's people want now now Hook me, hook me, hook me. I, I got another one that bugs me, and it's kind of <laughs> on the same note. Um, taking time to sell themselves okay. before they hook the, like, and, and I am guilty of this too, but the, like, I'm a realtor with such and such, and this and that and the other thing. Yeah. And, but what am I here for? Like, like yeah. I, I think that's cool. Tell yeah. tell all that stuff. But anyway, that's, uh, that's my thing. I think, uh, looking at Matt, looking like... Uh, I am 12 minutes late to pick up my kid from school. Well, why, <laughs> why don't we call the show? <laughs> That's awesome. 